Hi guys and welcome back to this week's episode of the Nursing Handover podcast. You have your favourite girls, me, Jerry, and the lovely Diane. And we also have our brand new host joining up joining us, the lovely Carissa. Thank you. How are you guys? How has this week been treating you so far? All good. All good. I think it's um I'm I'm intrigued to see what's gonna happen in April and June, but so far so good. See, girl, yeah. I, think you're, I feel like you're bringing in the vibes. Like, what's happened? Are you going on what <laughs> Boris is saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued with what he's going to say in regards to like shops opening and then like if there's going to be an update in cases. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm just literally taking it day by day. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think as we, we near the end of March, I'm starting to feel a bit like the anticipation of mm-hmm. what's coming what's gonna happen are we really gonna be let out is it really gonna happen definitely um, like i can't wait for the 12th of april to come just so i can go to primark nowhere else primark. <laughs> that is the number one place i want to go to it may sound cheap but you know you're gonna need some socks but dan how's your course going how's this week been it's all right you know there's just a lot to do um this weekend I wasn't feeling well so I'll I'll talk more about that further into the episode so I didn't really do much but um this week I'm starting to feel a little bit better now so I'm trying to be I guess more disciplined and get work done before Easter so I can have a bit of a holiday Mm. yeah Mm. because you've been working pretty much flat out since starting this course man it's not it's I think it's just the constant screen time, which I hate. Mm. Um your lectures are online, you go to work and you're you you type your notes on, on a computer. Um, yeah. you see some clients virtually on a computer, so you're just constantly looking at screen. Yeah. No, I yeah. Hear that. So yeah, roll on the 10th of September. <laughs> <laughs> and Clarissa, how about you? How's your week been so far? been all right it's been fine um the busies the the busy sorry the uh the clinic is busy it's just constantly busy with such well clinic um but yeah everything else is fine um just trying to do as much with the house as possible um but yeah it's just constantly busy there's always something to do so but at the same time can't complain i think i'd rather be busy than just like waiting for time to um just waiting for time to just you know that pass on by bye yeah no I hear that I hear that how are you girl me I'm mm-hmm. good I'm just I'm knackered but good um oh, work has just been busy but when is school nursing and safeguarding ever not busy for when real. you find out please let me know I just I think people are beginning to slowly wind down because Easter's come in but mm. yeah we still have like nine days or so to go, so anything can change. But for now, the week is looking pretty, pretty smooth. I hope it stays that way. Touch words, definitely, because some of the madness, some of the mad cases I was dealing with last week. Yeah. <laughs> are, they, are they still dragging? Oh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I wish I could speak about them, but you know, <laughs> we just kind of have to live and learn and just kind of move on and do what we have to. But yeah, those ones are beginning to settle into place. Thank 
the good lord. But yeah, but yeah. no, apart from that, my week's been it's been all right. Just pushing on as always and trying to get things done. Got some big things happening this year, so just need to get the get things in motion. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, should we get into this week's topic? Yes. 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 Let's. Um. So this month of March is endometriosis awareness month and I don't know if people have been looking on their social media so on Instagram and on Facebook there's been a lot of like yellow ribbons and a lot of women doing campaigns in yellow talking about endometriosis um so this episode is quite a special episode because Mm -hmm. me Diane has endometriosis so Mm -hmm. you get to have how can I say like a, a live real insight into what the condition is yeah from the very beginning through to like diagnosis to treatment to everyday life and everything that goes with it I guess when you have this condition mm-hmm. um like I've said to the girls you know no what's the term no holes barred like I'm happy to answer and talk about anything um and yeah we'll just kind of I guess see how we go more or less cool um that's, that's fine but I must say like despite you having it and like we're close and stuff I've never really known about it like I've heard about it but I've never really looked into it this is probably going to sound very rude I've just kind of associated it with very painful periods and that's it not knowing truly what happens and I think I'm beginning to realize and see like multiple people creating like accounts on Instagram and sharing their story and making making I guess the world more aware of what happens because like you hear about this but you know you don't see anything it's just a word. I hope I'm making sense. It's true. No, you it, are making sense. I feel like it's there, but it's not divulged not there. into yeah. as much. No, a hundred percent. I agree with both of you. It, it's it's the kind of condition, I guess, unless it's put in your face, you won't really know it exists. Yeah. Mm. Um, how did it? Like, how did you find out you had it? Is it something that you've had for yeah, how, since you started having periods or how does it work? <laughs> I sound like a complete okay. novice. <laughs> no, this is no, because the thing about it is these are the stuff that people are gonna wanna know. And yeah. no one's gonna ask you a textbook yeah. question. It's gonna be stuff like, Oh, how do you even know you have it? Or, you know, so um, okay, so I first started having my periods when I was nine, nine years old, when I mm. had my first cycle. Mm-hmm. And of course you're really shocked. I remember the knickers I was wearing that day and I'm thinking, whoa, what have I done? Like, what's this kind of thing? <laughs> um, and I remember like kind of like hiding my knickers and putting them somewhere. Like I think in like mm. the basket for washing and thinking, oh, no one's going to know. Like I'm going to throw it away. Um, and I think my mom kind of saw it and realised she started her period now, you know? Yeah. And I remember my primary school teacher got me this really nice yellow book with purple writing that said periods on it. And she kind of got me in at playtime. It's like, oh, you know, your mum said this. This is a book for you. Kind of stuff. And her name was Miss Riley. And yeah, and we kind of talked it about it. And that was that. So that was my first period. I think when I then turned 10, 11, is when it became very intense. Because from mm-hmm. 11, um, so as you said, painful periods is what endometriosis is, is associated with. So very painful periods in terms of you have heavy bleeding, you pass clots, you cramp, your back aches, you vomit, you have nausea, 
he suffer from fatigue um yeah generally were like the general symptoms more or less mm. Mm. um so I mean to me it was a normal period I don't know anything different yeah yeah um my my mom didn't you know she's having bad periods you know that's kind of what it was and that's kind of how we 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 saw it in that sense um so throughout my secondary school years I don't think I ever showed anyone I was very unwell at all yeah Mm -hmm. um and Clarissa was in the same class as me so you know um I don't think anyone ever knew anything was really wrong and I I, I I say again how did you hide it you just you have she didn't you didn't say anything about it no I never you just didn't say anything no um, there were some moments where I was very, very unwell. So, for example, a time when we were in year eight or year nine and I had to go home because I couldn't stay in school. Mm. And I remember I had to go home and I could, nobody could pick me up. So I had to go home on the bus. And I remember getting to Waterloo Station and vomiting in oh, the bin God. at Waterloo Station because I just was in so much pain and felt so sick. Um, so that was that. I remember that very well because I remember it like yesterday, being in my uniform and being sick. So that was that. There was another time when we were in year 10 in history and I had my head on the table because I just, I couldn't. I felt so, I thought I was going to vomit like at any moment in the lesson. And I had my head on the table and I was lying down and I'd unbuttoned my skirt. We did that a lot in um, in grey coats when we were like on our period or just being silly. So unbutton our skirt and I couldn't because it was so hot and I was in so much pain so I unbuttoned it and I remember my teacher at the time gosh what was her name Miss Worsfold sent me out of the <laughs> class because she thought I was sleeping um oh man so I ended up going to the medical room and, and falling the seat and I had to call my mum I had to go home so those were the two times I remember being sent home mm-hmm. um because of it but at that time I didn't know I had endometriosis right I was going to say, did you, at that point, did you, were you going for any investigations? Did you have an inkling you knew you had it? Did you even know at that stage what it was? Or Yeah. So, just, so no. So where were time, you at that point? So, that's a very good question. So, I didn't know it was any, it was, I just thought I had that period. Like, they're really bad. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mum started to get worried when I was being sick a lot. Um not really eating because I if I eat I would vomit yeah and I think mm. passing like hip clots like really big blood clots um so that's when she was like this is not um normal like this is, it just seems a lot kind of thing um so she took me to the GP and the GP was like oh you know we'll give her like ibuprofen and stuff like this for the pain mm-hmm. and throughout from age 11 up until I was 18 it was a lot of going to the GP a lot um a lot mainly and, for this yeah mainly you know my mom was saying I'm worried about her you know it's going to impact her school and it wasn't because I was always at school so I was still functioning as a person I was yeah. really off school and you were and you were very good like she was always taking part she yeah you were just you were very academic so yeah so like, I was never not there if that makes sense um, yeah. but it was just like my mom just kept saying you know this is something wrong like she just it just doesn't seem right um so yeah so it's not the ibuprofen at the GP 
And obviously that did nothing. And I think I almost became immune to paracetamol because I used to take them like sweets because the pain was so much. I think I took everything over the counter. I took Nurofen, Nurofen Express, Feminax, ibuprofen, paracetamol, um, mm. salizapine. I took most of the stuff you could get and they still were not going to help. At all? Like uh, it wasn't touching the pain at all? No. I used to call them Skittles because <laughs> I was taking them like for fun almost. Yeah. Um. You know, so then I went back to the GP. I think I was like 14 this time. And they gave me um, methanamic acid. Mm. So I had methanamic acid. Um, and it was all right, I guess. But still, again, very painful clots, vomiting, nausea, like debilitating. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't that just help with bleeding? I was going to say, what, what, what about the pain? Yeah, exactly. So it didn't... Right help with is it pain. similar to like tranexamic acid yes so okay. that's what i had after methanamic acid i had transamic acid after okay because i've never heard of methanamic acid so yeah so i had that um so then i had transamic which was like the next step so i remember my i'm saying that you know why can't i go to gynecology and by this time i think i had now not had my own voice i always had a voice but i was being more vocal about how i felt when i was mm-hmm. on the gd Mm. And it was like, oh, we need to do certain things before we 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 um we refer you. You know, we can't. They'll just send your referral back. You know, we need to have done certain stuff and prove we've done certain things. And I guess for me, it was like, so how much more pain do I have to be in? This um, is it. Yeah. Before I can have a referral. Um. So when I was sixteen, we went back again because by this time I'd had the methanamic acid, I had the transamic acid, and nothing was working. And um, the doctor kind of said, you know, um, you should go on the pill. That will help. You need to take the contraceptive pill. That will definitely help your your periods for sure. Um, mm. And my mum said, no, she's too young. Start contraceptions. Um, mm. Yeah. And that was the end of that discussion. It's like, she's, no, we're not doing that kind of thing. Um, and I think so. I think I then asked to kind of have stronger pain relief. So as we go, I'll talk about my pain relief. And I think my pain tolerance as well, as I've gone on over the years with this pain. So I think by that point, I'd used Paracel, I'd used Neurofen, I'd used Ibuprofen, and I was now on Cocadamol. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was kind of using to kind of le- le- like levy the pain in that mm-hmm. sense. But I always had to be really careful because there's a time when I kind of hallucinated on them. So I had to be really, really mindful. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, like I, I fell off the sofa because I thought like the room was kind of spinning. It was just really weird. But that day, I was home alone when I was in pain. So mm. I just was so out of sorts generally that I couldn't think straight from the pain to begin with. Anyway. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I just had to be really mindful of them. And of course, we're only prescribed for a certain amount of time, only to use it when I was in pain. So that was that. Um, so yeah, so that was like the early stages so like I said I didn't know I had endometriosis um at that time how did the girls so how did the girls at school in our class uh, like the girls that we used to chill with how did they know that you had painful periods how did they support you like I kind of want to know how the teachers supported you and during your period did they know you suffered from bad periods and 
how are people treating it or do they just kind of think oh it's just a bad period sort of thing like what was their attitude towards it so that's a good question so I feel like I didn't talk much about my pain no I kind of just dealt with it like mm. I just have this thing and I don't really know why mine are so painful but mine are just that painful mm. um I think you could see I was not feeling well but I never showed it I don't think I ever didn't do anything or I didn't ever not come to school um no so yeah exactly say, yeah so you could never say oh she's never here every month yeah or that or that week in the month we don't really see her at school why um I think I just dealt with it and sometimes I think how did I have this pain for so long and it never show itself more or how was I never worse off um but I would like be sick sometimes you know in break time on like when I was on stuff like that. or I wouldn't eat as much at lunch because I knew that I could be sick or the smells of certain things would make me want to vomit so I, I would just be mindful of certain stuff I think the school didn't really know about it that much I don't think we really spoke about it do you did you have like any yeah. other friends that were going through similar things because I think my question is like mm. nowadays we see that a lot more people coming out and having it did you realize or did you recognize any of your classmates having having anything similar even if you weren't disclosing your own um your own issues not, not but, really know, people talk not really and it's funny like I went to an all-girls school and we would talk about openly being on your period because we're all girls mm. but never did we talk about pain or discomfort or I don't know no, like, we didn't you know, yeah we didn't like if somebody wasn't well and you had a person well, you might somebody wasn't well yeah you know but we never talked about yeah. the nitty-gritty of it when I think about it no we didn't we actually didn't you know? <laughs> no we didn't it's so nuts we never did we didn't no yeah we didn't um so yeah when was that so that was like 16 so college and again I think I just muddled along you know when you just kind of you adjust because so for me I don't know any different yeah um so to me they've always been painful they've always been excruciating they've always been like that so I don't I can't compare it to anything else is every period like mm. that or is there some months that they're extremely painful some months it's not sometimes it's not painful like do you get what I mean like is it is it constantly painful or is there they used to be like my brother used to say to me are you gonna die oh, wow. oh Jesus you know so there, so there were moments where like I would just be in bed I couldn't do anything I couldn't eat anything I couldn't do anything for like the first day because it was so bad or you wake up and you're covered in blood or you can't go anywhere because you're worried you're gonna mm. dribble everywhere or whatever so um there were sometimes when every month was bad and like and you were just like oh my god it's coming like it's coming and you didn't really need a calendar because your body would you know we're women we know our bodies yeah um, you know when something's gonna happen so you start to feel unwell and yeah. it's, it's it's so nuts how on Sunday you can be normal and in half in the early hours of Monday you're dying. Yeah, it was yeah. just like like that. Yeah. But like I said, I would still go to school. I would still go to college. I would still go to work. I would still do everything as normal. Yeah. Um, so it was very hard for anyone to. And I think the people who know me who listen will be very shocked to have the condition. Um, 
because yeah I don't talk about it and I don't show anything that you would think she has this if that makes sense yeah mm. um so yeah so that was that so where am I now I'm like at 16 I'm at college College, yeah. So yeah, I've done college, and again, remember, I still don't know. I just still don't know. I have a condition. I just know I have bad periods that nobody can hear. Um, so when I first had sex, I then did I go on the pill? Yes, I went on the pill, but I would still have painful periods, and sex was painful. So again, I still hadn't really put two and two together in that sense. Yeah. But um. But- was it like position? Was the pain during the like during sex? Was it also after sex? Um, and was it positional in certain positions, or was it just throughout? Like it, it was quite interesting. So certain positions, yes, would definitely hurt. And even yeah. now, when I close my eyes and I think about it, like I would wince, and I'd be like, "You need to stop!" Like that's mm-hmm. so painful. Um. And sometimes, deep, like, abdominal pain. Say again? Like, deep, lower abdominal pain. Yeah, and sometimes, like, in your vagina or even in your bum, I'd feel pain there. Um, Like, so painful. Like, someone's stabbing me up the ass. Like, that's to describe it. Yeah. So painful. And would I, it be, the- like, a friction thing? I'm not, I'm, no. not, I'm not calling you dry or nothing like that, but... No, but yeah, that also play a part. But you can have vaginal dryness there because of endometriosis, because of the pill. So yeah, um, good point. Yeah, so that was also a contributing factor as well. Um, I think another thing, I don't think there was friction, but to me it was like I think the penetration itself that would be painful. Mm, um, fair. And so then you can't enjoy it. No, yeah. I can't enjoy it because it's them ones where that I'd have to stop because is so painful like I can't even explain to you um yeah painful and there's times for my partner's sake I would grip my teeth and bear it because I'd just be like let's just get like we're in it now like let's just finish yeah because I don't want them so painful it is and it still is to this day sometimes I can't lie to you but we'll get to that (laughs) does it um so like at that time would your mood also play a part not saying like you know you didn't want to do it or anything like that but like if you're in the mood and you know it's happening and you feel that pain is it instantly like okay I just want this to be over with or are you still like enjoying it I'm guessing it's quite hard because if yes some people like have that thin line between pleasure and pain but this doesn't sound like a pain that is like that Uh, I'm gonna say yeah (laughs) (laughs) no you can't enjoy it anymore because the pain is so much it's and it's so it I don't know. I wish I could, I could not show someone, but I wish they could feel it because it's so sharp, and it's like somebody is like twisting and like I don't know how to explain it, but it's so painful that sometimes I'll even pull away or push the person. I'll be like, "This is too much. Oh wow! Stop! You need to stop." Kind of thing. Um, positional, yeah. I think sometimes different positions might hurt. Um, but also dryness and that's something as a woman you think about because people don't want to be dry you need to be moist to enjoy sex but if you're on contraceptives because of a condition that you have that's something you have to contend with whether you like it or not you know can what I, I mean? just say us mm. at this point did you still didn't know that you had the condition when I was 18 no not yet Jesus okay. man no not wow. yet 
So this will be very interesting. So in my third year of university, and we were on our induction, we were sat in the room in Middlesex, and we were being spoken to, I think, by D. And I remember like rocking, like like back and forth, and I was in agony, so much pain. Mm-hmm. And I remember I ran out of the room, and I was sick in the recycling bin in the corridor. Um, yeah, I remember sick in the recycling bin in the corridor. And I had taken painkillers and made all vomit come out anyway. So I was like, right, so that's done. And uh-huh. I remember I was sat at break with Karina. And I wonder if she hears this, she might remember the story. And I was, she's like, you have to go home. Like, you can't stay. Like, you're not well. You're not. I said, and I was like, no, like, I'll be fine. I'm going to stay. And she's like, you can't. Like, you're too unwell. You can't stay here. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, do you know what, Diana? Just go to the G, like, just go to the GP surgery. Don't even go home. Just go straight to the GP surgery. So I remember going to the GP surgery, and I said, "Is there any emergency appointment?" Mm. And she said, "Okay, you, if you wait, maybe I can fit you in." And I remember being sat towards the end, and there was a lady opposite me, and I was like, I'd covered myself like in my jacket, and I was actually rocking like that, like this, rocking back and forth. I was in agony, like I could barely speak mm. to anyone. Wow. So eventually. It was a locum doctor there. So anyone that's not medical, a locum is like an agency, someone that's working there ad hoc. They're not a permanent member of staff there. Yeah. And and we got there and I got in the room and he kind of asked me, you know, like, what's going mm-hmm. on? And I was like, I'm in agony. Like, I'm, I can't even speak to you because I've been sick again. You know, like, I need you to help me. And I actually begged him. I said, please refer me to gynecology. Like, I'm begging you. So then he asked me, um, have you had your methanamic acid have you had trisomic acid have you tried the pill have you done this have you done that and I was like I've done everything like just I'm begging you and I even skipped a part I remember a time I went to this when I was 17 so before this and they told me don't you just have a baby that will help have a child that will help your pain um, really yes yeah imagine like, so wild yeah and I and also when you have a baby this pain will go. So that's what we advise you to do, like to have a baby. As a 17-year-old. Yeah. Imagine. And my mum that... looked at him and was like, What? I don't blame How her. How are they saying it? How are they saying it like, oh yeah, just take it like paracetamol? You know, that's that's like right? how they're saying it. How can they recommend, yeah, just have a baby at 17? That's like a life-changing right it's it's and, exactly and I think and I think for me what was so wild was you want a baby to come and basically you're using a baby as a cure for pain when that's not babies are for yeah um you know yes I may carry the child and not have a period for nine months and be fine but when the child is out and the pain returns then what do I do and I have this baby and all this pain so definitely imagine you know, so that was so that so that so that was a, a bit I skipped. So anyway, back to like I've now third year of uni, I've come to G. So at this point, I'm twenty, twenty-one at this mm. point. So yeah, so he goes through, he reads my history, so oh god, you've had everything. You've, you've had this, you've had that, blah, blah blah. And I'm like, Tim, please, I'm begging you, give me the strongest painkillers you can prescribe me. But I need to be referred to Gyne. And I was crying at the time, like, please. So it's like, oh, they might send the referral back. They might not see you, but okay, I'll send it for you. No, um, that's mad. 
yeah, so they sent so they, so they sent the referral, and I came home. I'm fine. I'm gonna so so yeah. So that came. So that came, and the referral came. So I went to gynae at my local hospital, and they kind of went through my history, and they were like, okay, you know, let's do a, like an internal examination. So I did an examination like there and then in the bed, and anyone has had like a smear test or any kind of mm. vaginal examination, you know, it's a bit daunting, especially if it's your first time. And yeah. You're not really sure mm. what to expect. Yeah. So I had mm. to get on the bed. I take off my knickers and stuff. And she kind of examined like with her hand and stuff. And when she was done, she goes, but everything's fine. You know, like I haven't felt anything. Like everything is fine. It seems fine and stuff. Um, and I said to her, but it's not fine. I don't feel Good. fine. Like I'm yeah. not normal. It's not normal. And she said, yeah, but there's nothing there. Like, I, I don't feel or really see much. Like, I, I don't. And I said, well, can I at least have a scan then to rule out that Good. there's nothing there? But my question thing. is, by her feeling it, what is she expected to feel? I don't know. She's probably fibroids. She's probably thinking yeah. maybe fibroids because I know yeah. you can feel them, but that still doesn't... She it shouldn't was weird. have got a conclusive result from just a abdominal examination. She shouldn't have. Right. And she did something else. I remember, I remember my nipples being off, but I don't remember what she did there. But I remember feeling uncomfortable. I remember wincing a bit. But anyway, so she's like, oh, you know, what did she say to me? She goes, yeah, anyway, if you want, we'll, we'll refer you. You can have a, a transvaginal scan. And I said, okay, great. So that was the scan. So the scan was a couple of months later. And that was an experience in itself because they basically like push something up your vagina. Mm. So, um, so yeah so you basically sit on this like bed and you're kind of like at um and you're at an angle shall i say and um you've got your legs wide open and you're like on is it stirrups that they call it something like that yeah 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 and you have like the um tissue over you to you know maintain your dignity and i call it the dignity sheet yeah and there's <laughs> always and it's always men that do these scans so it's this guy yeah. so he gets the gel it's like it's a bit cold and stuff but you know I'm gonna just do it so he goes in and it's the weirdest feeling ever I can't explain to you it's so weird so it's like scanning this way I can feel him going to the left going to the right whatever so we finished the scan and stuff and I said oh how long will it take and they said it should take like a couple of weeks and then they'll probably call you in talk about what happened like talk about what we saw so anyway that comes so the results come and they call me in and I met now with the CNS for endometriosis. So I meet Interesting. with Interesting. Yeah, so this is a clinical nurse specialist. So I sit with her. God nearly said her name then. Sit with her and she's like, okay, so you know, we did the scan and stuff and we did see some cysts um, on your ovary. And I said, okay. And she said, you know, we and she said that um if so she said to me if we'll scan you again in a couple of months if they're gone if they're not there anymore then they're like hematomas she said but if they're still there they're endometriomas which are chocolate cysts which is what you know it's like to do endometriosis wait you so call them chocolate cysts that's what they're called yeah endometriomas okay okay so they were hematomas or endometriomas Endometri- yeah exactly okay okay so okay. I said okay. So I said okay. So just to say, we'll, we'll do another scan, and if they're still there, and then we'll we'll see where we go from there. 
So um, I came home to my mum. I'm like, okay, this is good. Like, at least they're doing something. Let's wait for you to have another scan. So I had the other scan. I don't remember the timeline between scans, if I'm honest. I don't remember them. So I remember the second scan. Now, the second scan, I remember it very well because it was the week of my 22nd birthday. That's how I remember yeah. it very, very well. And my mum wasn't in the country. Yeah. So I went for the... No, was it? I think, no, the results for the second scan. So I don't remember when I had a second scan, but I remember I got the results the week of my 22nd birthday. Mm. And I remember sitting in the room and she goes, okay, so we've looked and, you know, they are endometriomas. Like, we can see that they're still there, etc. So I remember looking at her and thinking, I don't know how I felt. And even when I look back and I remember sitting there thinking to myself, oh, my God, like, wow. You know? Is it because you, it's your womb? What do you or mean? Like, like your what? uterus. Like, you know, when, like, they've delivered this news to you and you're, like, in shock. But is it because it's, like, your reproductive organs that you're thinking, like, oh, my, oh my days? Yeah, I think I think there's an element of, like, A, something really is there. Um, yeah. and, all this, and all this time it probably has been there. I think it was, too, how easily I was nearly dismissed you know, yeah. if I never insisted, um, they would have missed it. It would have just been, well, no, you know, you're fine, supposedly. Um, so that was one of those things. But I think, to me, everything I'd heard about endometriosis had been fertility. That's all I'd heard about it was mm-hmm. infertility. So I okay. was just in shock. So at that point, so at that point, yeah. Did you know what they were kind of talking about? Or was it a completely new diagnosis, a new condition, and you're sitting there thinking, the F is this? Like, what is this? So definitely, like, what the F is this? I mean, I had been reading about reproductive, like, disorders and things like that, but I wasn't clued up on anything. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't want to scare mm. myself and do Dr. Google. So I was like, I'm not going to read too much, but I've read a bit about it. But I, But the minute she said, We've seen something. The first thing I said to her is, can I have children? Yes. Just the fear, isn't it? So anyway, so anyway, so once once um I asked her, obviously she was like, we need to see, you know, what's going on kind of thing. We need to understand, you know, bedtime. We can't really see that on a scan. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So she, so she was like you need to have surgery and of course I was like oh my god like wow this has become really serious you know what I mean so she was like we need to prep you for surgery and all this stuff like you have to have you know, your pre-ops and all these questions and all that stuff um and she and she kind of said to me you know I can't really tell you about fertility until we've seen what's going on do you know what I mean yeah so um, so I was like, okay, that's fine, no problem. So when I left, I think, what did she give me? She gave me a pill, some kind of pill to kind of help the pain and kind of help me in the meantime. Yeah. A little bit, but again, it, to me, it was more hormone going into the body. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it was good or bad, if that makes sense. But I think all that was in my head was, oh my God, I have this thing. Um, so but I left. I think I left, I think it was raining that day. And I phoned my mum. <sighs> yeah. So basically, yeah, I phoned my mum. 
And I was basically like, oh, they told me this, they said this, they said this. And she was like, oh, you know, don't cry that nothing's happened yet. You have to wait. Like, let's just wait. Don't panic. It's going to be fine. Um, so that was that. So I carried on with uni. I finished my third year. And I don't think I really spoke about it in uni. No, I don't, well, I, I didn't remember, know. I don't, I don't remember ever talking about it. Because I think for me, it was just a very personal thing. And I think because I didn't know enough about it, and I can't lie, I had enough stress being a nursing degree. Like, I've got so much going on. There just wasn't time to worry about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just got on with it. So had that. And then I had surgery on the 7th of July, 2015. So I went for my surgery. It was like, it was a day operation kind of thing. So I went in for surgery and I was, my, both my parents came with me. Um, and I was very nervous. Oh my goodness. Like you wouldn't even know I was a nurse. <laughs> like I was shaking. Like I could, I could barely, say again. Was this your first general anaesthetic surgery that you yeah. ever had? Yeah. Mm. So, like, I was literally shaking. I couldn't even give a, a wee sample. It was that bad. Like, I was oh, wow. literally, like, ter- honestly, I was shaking. My dad was really, my dad was crying. Like, it was, I was so nervous, proper, proper nervous. So I went in. I, I actually remember when they put me to sleep, I actually bit my lip. I was that nervous. And she was telling me, tell me about your day. And I thought, I can't fucking tell you about my day because you're about to put me to sleep. I can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it makes it worse. You just can't do right? it. You just literally focus. So exactly. And I think to me, I kept thinking, I'm finally going to know what's going to happen. Like when this is over, it's going to set the tone for everything else that's going to come after. So... When I came out of surgery, I never yeah. forget it. I came out of surgery and my bum hurt so much. My butt. And I kept saying to the lady, like, my bum hurts so much. It's so painful. And she goes, Do you want more pain relief? I was like, I don't know. But I'm in agony. And I kept saying to her, is my mum all right? And she goes, no, you're the patient. Don't worry about your mum. I'm like, yeah, but she's waiting for me. Just can you tell her that I've woken up? Because obviously by that point, I'm 22. So my mum can't come to me. Obviously, I'm an adult. Yeah. So they're just waiting for me. So like I said, so now the endometriosis, so they found it on the top of my vagina. They found it on my left yeah. ovary and in my rectum, in my bum. Mm. That's where they found it. They also saw fibroids. Of course. Well. Wait, hold on. Mm. Maybe I'm just being dumb. So you can have an endometriosis in your bum. Yeah. You can. But you can have it on your on your bowels as well, you know. Yes, really? you can. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can. So wow. they they then categorize your endometriosis in stages. Mm-hmm. So it starts from stage one and it goes up to stage four. So of course, mine is stage four. Fucks. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I was just like, whoa, so all this time I've been in pain for over 11 years, you know, and nobody thought to push me to go to gynae. It was all about referrals and we need to do more of this stuff. And I guess maybe I was too young. I don't know. I will never know. Quick question. How many stages are there in endometriosis? So as far as I know, there's four. So four is the most severe. Oh, and then you come geez. down so four three two and then you get to one as far as I know um and I think like the bits are kind of stuck together in that sense as well so 
I remember them saying that your uterus is fine. And that was kind of like my, okay, fine. But they're like, but you know, you, you do have, you do have the endometriosis, like it's there kind of thing. Can they remove them? So to explain, let me get like the definition of, of endometriosis properly, just so that I'm explaining it in the right way, what endo no, actually fine. is. Um, I'm so, just such a novice to this, so I'm finding this super interesting. But it's also very eye-opening. It is. It really is. So um, endometriosis basically is where tissue, similar to the lining of the womb, starts to grow in other places. Um, such as the ovaries and fallopian tubes and like they say it can affect women of any age and obviously it is a long-term condition so it cannot come and go away um once you have it you have it essentially um so like i, think, I said sorry go on oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. i think i'm i'm so shocked how it happened at such a young age i mean we know all health conditions can happen at a young age, but I think it's still shocking to hear it can happen as young as from when you literally start your period. Oh, and yeah. Just, and just how, and I think people just don't realise how, again, it can just affect affect your lifestyle, just your oh, everyday living routine. 100%. And I mean, like, the more we speak, I'll talk about how it's impacted me, my life generally, and my choice and my decisions. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll give some figures. So one in 10 women of reproductive age have endometriosis. Um, it oh. is rated um, at one of the top 10 painful conditions in the world. Um, it affects 1.5 million women in the UK. And I guess those are the ones that are diagnosed. Wow. wow. Um, and there is no, no one knows the cause of endometriosis and there is no cure for endometriosis at all. Um. The average diagnosis time is seven and a half to eight years to be diagnosed. And that hasn't changed in the last 10 years. It's still the same. Um, we don't know why, because more people are experiencing and have endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And I, I, but it's, it's one of those ones. I don't know. I think it's not, very, it's not funded very well. And I don't know if that's because we're women and it affects women. Maybe, um, you know, because I think I... From like my own experiences, I feel like, especially when it comes to gynecological purpose, gynecological things, people don't believe you because they yeah. can't really see it. But you know what you're going through, and like, good on you for persevering. Because, Amen. Honestly, no, honestly, it probably got to, it probably got to a place that you were just like, no one gonna help me. I just have to bear with this forever until I hit menopause, and hopefully it stops. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You know, you get told so much stuff like, "Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna find having a baby so easy because you're so used to the pain," and "Oh, you're a woman. This is how it is, and you'll be fine." You know, your mum's was like that. Your aunties was like that. You're gonna be alright. Yeah, your aunties were so bad. So you almost normalise the pain because for you, this mm. is what it is, and and you're going to the doctor and they cannot help you. So you you just but expect then, it. That, but then that just shows how they already stigmatize women's conditions like oh it's going to be painful you know and they just like you said they just try and normalize it but it's already got a reputation of oh you know it's fine it's going to be painful you know it's like it's like it's just played down it's just stigmatized from the get-go it's just definitely for sure I I agree that it is it's your woman you have periods you have to have pain in the period deal with it um literally it's what it sounds like 
more or less. Um, so that's like a few facts. So like you asked me about the stages of endometriosis. So it's it's staged from one to four. Mm-hmm. So obviously minimal, mild, moderate and severe. Um, so mine is severe, where it consists of multiple deep implants of large cysts on one or both ovaries and you have thick adhesions. Right. And um, the procedure I had is laparoscopy, which I'm sure, Carissa, you said you've seen like when you worked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was what they had on, on the gynae ward, but yeah. So yeah, so that's so so basically they kind of put like a small kind of telescope into my abdomen and kind of like looked for where the endometrial in endometrial lesions were and they kind of like burned them away. Cause mm-hmm. I had um ablation, laser ablation. Mama kind of like burned away. Okay. Um so when I was done, I had um like so I still have like a little scar on my left and above my vagina, like a little dash where they did this, where they went in to cut and go in the incision. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, you know, having to be really careful of the dressings afterwards and being really mindful. And I remember them telling me after my surgery, oh no, you should go back on the pill straight away. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, so then it hasn't worked if I'm going back on contraception you know so the rationale was and how I understood it was if you're on the pill and you don't have a cycle then when you have a period but you won't shed you won't shed to the you know you won't shed any lining in that sense so you yeah. won't have pain yeah that's mm-hmm. how I understood mm. it now so I had my surgery in July when I had my first period in August wow wow nearly died like I'm looking at my dad I'm oh. crying like bawling my eyes out he was holding me and I never forget I was in the bedroom and he was holding me and I was just crying I said to daddy why I said daddy why did I have this surgery why I mean I'm in so much pain like I'm painful was the pain more yeah it felt worse almost it actually almost felt worse but I don't know if it had felt worse because with me every new cycle feels different okay oh are you talking talking about periods they did not offer you the rus the marina coil why did did. they say go on the pill they did so they offered to put it inside of me when i was having surgery Mm -hmm. and i said no i said no so i said no because i was like i want to be able to control what i put in my body and fair enough yes of course yeah and i was like and i just don't feel comfortable putting that in my body now um I said no. They also offered me the injection. Oh, the depo. Okay, interesting. They okay. offered me the injection. And the way I understood it was it kind of like stops your system for like three months or something. That's how I got it. Yeah. 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 Essentially, like it P- stops stuff potentially, moving. Potentially, one depo injection for the contraceptive. Um, it stops. It can stop your menstrual cycle for up to twelve to eighteen months. Right. One, One injection. injection can. Yeah, but you get it done every three months. Yeah, that's the one. That's so scary. So when they told me that, I'm about because this is another. At this point, I'm now sat with my CNS and we're going through my options of what to what to take. Mm. And I said yeah. no. I said, so I've never had a baby. I don't yeah. want to play with my system. Because I don't know yeah. what if what if my system never turns on again. Yeah. Um and she kind of looked at me a bit like I was being dramatic. And I was like, well, no, sorry, I'm not doing that. Like I said, I'm only 22. 
Um, mm. I'd rather not play God with my body. Like, yeah. Let's yeah. Just, let me just manage the pill and I'll see how I go. Because these are big decisions you're making. Like, yes, you're grown at 20, 22, but the difference between life then and now, you probably know a lot more now than you did at 22. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sitting there having to make those decisions felt very, not scary, but almost a bit like, I was not angry, but I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, well, I have to think about certain things very early on. So the Mm. average 22-year-old is not thinking about her fertility, but I was. Mm. Um, I have to sit and think, how am I going to preserve this? How am I going to help my body remain good and healthy and well enough? Um, Which at 22, you're not really thinking about. You're living your best life. Um, So yeah, so so in that appointment, I, I asked and I said to her, you know, will I be able to have a baby? And she said, there's no reason why you shouldn't, but I wouldn't suggest that you wait to have one. Um, and so I said, okay, so you can't really, so I can't give you an age, but I wouldn't say wait to have a child. I'd have one when you can have one. And so I said, okay. Yeah. Well, so when she said, I wouldn't advise you to wait, does she back that up with anything? Because I, I feel like I, I, I feel like that sounds a bit suggestive um, in terms of if you wait, the condition gets worse. Is that what, is that what she meant? I mean, what so, does she mean by that? So basically, endometriosis and fertili- in, infertility affects between 30 and 50% of women that have it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Wow. It, there is evidence that you can struggle to conceive if you have the condition. And of course, the more severe you have, the harder it might, it might be. Right. And obviously, the older you get, um, your eggs yeah. and it gets harder and we all know about our biological ages and things like that so it was a lot to think about it was like a lot of food for thought um, and I think I wasn't devastated but I was a bit like wow have a lot to think about you know I have to think about something that I want so much which is children but I have to now think about you can't really wait to be 35 and 36 to try and have the first one yeah um which means you need to have a life partner which means you kind of need to get your life together um so overwhelming pressure yeah yeah 100 percent, definitely and I think it was a lot a lot not a burden but so much to carry because you think gosh this is a lot to know that you have mm-hmm. and then it also made me think you know going into relationships how do you tell your partners about this condition where do you start mm-hmm. You know, where do you begin to tell someone about this, and how do they take it? Um, so I was on the pill from the, from then. So when I had the surgery from twenty two, I then stayed on the pill till I stopped taking my pill when I was I'm now twenty eight, like twenty seven, around that time. So I was on it most of that time, and it wasn't fun. There were days when I would bleed when I was supposed to be. T- I so I took it back to back. So if you know contraceptives. Um, Clarissa this is her department so you can just correct me or not but so I was given the pill where I took it every single day and never had a break the mm-hmm. desogestrel the progesterone only pill or were you on the combined method so I started combined yeah and then my blood pressure was going up so they put you on the progesterone only yeah yeah and then I kind of stayed on that one Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I have like various risk factors due to like family history so they were watching me you know blood pressure all that kind of stuff um but 
yeah like there were days when I used to look at this pill and think what the hell like this is a joke you know I've been agony I've been crying I've been so much pain and obviously I'm a nurse so imagine working in pain going See, to I was gonna ask how were pain. you how did you even cope as a student because I feel like don't get me wrong we work hard as nurses but when we were students we were working extra hard yeah no I get that um like I said I just got on with it because I'm not a complainer and yeah. I just did what I had to do and like I said I think anyone that went, knew me in university didn't know I had this condition no one knew I had this condition um a lot of people probably won't know until now that Dan ever had this thing ever because I just what, did not talk about school, it you think what like in secondary school yeah no no one ever knew no one no one knew no one knew how bad it was for me I never spoke about it I just, it was just my thing. I just had bad periods and I just dealt with it. Um, I learned to live with it and I just thought this was just what I'm like. Wow. Um, yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of like the history of how my pain started, how I got a diagnosis. So it took 11 years for me to get my diagnosis. Um, treatment, what the treatment's been like. Yeah. So, I have so many questions, I don't even know where to start. So, after the the surgery, Mm -hmm. did they, what happened following surgery? So, you had your surgery, then you had your first period. Did it get better? Was, like, did you have follow-ups? I'm assuming from then you just went into the research and thought, yeah, I know what I have, I know what it is now. Did you feel a sense of uh, relief? or yes and yes and no so firstly I was glad to know that I'm not mad yeah Mm -hmm. and I have something that isn't normal and it's been it's been agreed that yes you have a problem because for a long time it was like she just has bad periods Mm. and so so having validation and someone acknowledging my pain was real meant a lot and I felt really lucky to get a diagnosis but then when I heard how when I realized gosh it took this long it was gonna be a bit angry as well of course of course that makes sense um I had mixed feelings in the sense that I had not like I said not a burden but but pressure because it was like I now have to think about certain things that I wouldn't have had to think about now and they and and they have impacted my life choices even now as a 28 year old woman I they do affect me um so I did have a follow-up I never actually saw my consultant we never I never met him I know who he is I've seen him around but I never met him Mm. I'd always see the CNS and the plan was always just to stay on the pill and if the pill didn't work we'd just try like the Mirena or try the injection that was kind of like my care plan more or less would you Mm. want to try the Mirena though no No. and you really just it just doesn't sit right with you it's just well, I think because it has to be in for a certain amount of time, right? Well, you can I mean, take you can it. Take you can take you it out. Yeah, like how long has it got to be in for? Three years. Yeah. And for me, it's like if I want to have a kid at some point, I can control con- the pill. I can put stop uh, and take okay. that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with a Mirena, I have to go and get it taken out. And I can't lie, I'm a nurse. I'm very squeamish with things like that. Um. So, yeah, I was like, no. And you think with the pain I go through, I wouldn't, I'd manage certain things, but there's just certain stuff I'm like, no, 
I think it's more the opposite, to be honest. I think the more pain you go through in the downstairs apartment, being a man or woman, I think you're you're less inclined to do anything else that involves that area. True. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the pill was like my 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 fail safe because I have to use that for now. So my CNS, we email. So even now, like I do email her if anything happens or if I'm not happy about yeah. something, feeling well. If I think I want a scan, and I kind of see her like on a yearly basis now. I used to see her every six months, every three months, and every six months. I see her every year, but I can email her if I want to and just tell her mm. like this is happening or this is what's going on or I think I need a scan and stuff. My fibroid is still chilling, but they don't want to do anything about it, so it's just there. They so said it's not enough to remove it, so that's also just you know hanging out. Um. I haven't had a scan in a while though, so I don't know what's going on down there if I'm honest. Like I don't know what's happening in there. Mm. Um Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to today. How do you deal with relationships? Oh um I must say, like, my last two cis relationships, they were fine in a sense. Yeah. They when I explained to them what was kind of going on in my body. They they were as of as understanding as can be. Mm, yeah. Um. When I was in pain, you know, they would rub my belly or they would sit with me and stuff like that. So they were understanding of it. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that was the most hardest, I think, for me was fertility. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I think you know, if you've you've listened to me speak, I've cried on this on this in this episode because it's a very very sensitive subject for me. Very. Um, I think it would be for anyone because like you I don't you wouldn't want to feel like you've been robbed yeah but I think knowing that you may not have something because of something that you have is very painful and I think every month my cycle comes as a reminder of this thing yeah Um, it's a constant reminder of, of this thing that you have and you are triggered I am triggered by certain stuff so in relationships I think that's a hard subject because it's like I know I want children and I know the impact my condition has on that yeah if that makes sense so it's always there in the back of your mind kind of thing and like I said it's a very triggering topic for me um it's very hard there's a lot of times where I can't be on social media because it's too much or I see certain stuff and I'm just so overwhelmed that I can't I can't do it. Yeah. Um and I think for me, like I said, back to that, that word pressure, that that pressure to conceive or that pressure to have a child, that pressure to validate that my body is fine and it's okay and my condition isn't controlling me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I think for a lot of my time from twenty two and up till now, I would say it's controlled me, but it's a very big factor in my decision making. Of course yeah. it would be. Of course. And, you know, I don't just do stuff on a whim because I know the impact of what I have. Um, so, yeah, it's been a big, big, not an elephant in the room, because like I said, most relationships I'm in, the guys are very understanding and they get it. But like I said, I think when it comes to the fertility side of it, it is. I, yeah, it, like I think every time I talk, every time I say the word, I always feel like I feel sick. It's yeah, yeah, it's triggering. 
No, I just have to say thank you for coming on and sharing your story because, like I said, it is something that's very, very personal. And um, yeah, like I know we've spoken about it, but speaking about it on such a platform kind of, I want to say, magnifies it. But then it also oh, spreads the word because, like me and Clarissa did, have like nowhere near as much knowledge on it as you as you do because you're going through it. And I think, like I said at the beginning. I'm seeing more and more people talk about it now because I'm guessing people are beginning to get their diagnoses and actually truly understand what this is. Like you said, it takes about seven to eight years to even get a diagnosis. So all going through that time, all the emotions and everything else built up. Oh, yeah. That also sure. plays a big part in it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a hard thing to talk about but yet it has to be spoken about for people to know about it or people to look at themselves and think, gosh, my period isn't normal and I do yeah. need help and I do need support and I need someone to check me. And even if you're checked and you're fine, but you need to at least have that. I've done everything to make sure that I'm well and I'm okay in myself. Yeah. Um, you know, and even in relationships, you can be having painful sex and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. And it can be because of that. And I think for me, you know, sex is amazing, but if it's painful it's not and it can impact your sex life big time because you could relate pain and sex as one and then you don't want to do it Mm. you know or every time you think about doing it you're just like oh my god I need to brace myself because this is really gonna hurt you Mm. know then you can't enjoy it no and then you don't want to do it and though sex is not everything it's part of the relationship Yeah, yeah yeah it's one of those things where then that part of the ship is now not happening and someone is suffering is it you is it the other person are you both suffering yeah um and also psychological because like emotionally it's very taxing on me Mm -hmm. um mentally like every time a cycle comes the way I feel my mood my emotions I feel sad I cry a lot um I just feel very low and that's every month for that time when it happens and mm. yeah sorry go on so are you still on the pill now no so I stopped taking the pill when gosh November 2019 I want to say mm. I stopped it because so I was taking it back to back but then I was still having a period every month anyway and having so much what pain you- yeah defeats the whole purpose then really yeah Yeah. so I kept thinking I'm now giving myself hormones that's doing nothing but swimming in my body um and I don't know I mean everyone has different experiences on the pill but you seem very hungry um and I could like hoover the whole fridge plus more (laughs) like every time like I could just eat so much so I then decided to be more holistic um and treat it with like my food so I, I cut out meat I don't eat meat anymore I don't take dairy anymore. Um, I, I have supplements. I'm kind of almost like a vegan-ish with the odd meat day now and again. And, mm. like, it's better. Like, I'm more manageable. I can at least work and function a bit more. I still have pain and yeah. I still cry and I still vomit. Um, And, like, it's funny we talk about pain because, I mean, Geraldine was talking about pain relief. So I take tramadol as pain relief. Um, mm. like if anyone who knows medication that's like one up before you give morphine um, For real. so I take tramadol like every cycle 
um, for wow. pain. And I do you take it for the length of your how long it would last, or is it just like intermittent days and times? Sometimes, so like for example, I'll give you an example. Last Friday at work, my period started at work, and um, my my stomach was like on fire, so hot it was red, like warm, almost like a hot water bottle. And wow. I could just about like think, like I couldn't even think. And I just kept thinking, I just need to get drive home in one piece. As long as I can drive, I'll be fine. Mm. And because we have to wear masks, um, I thought I was going to vomit in the mask. I was leaning over someone to show them something, and I thought I'm going to be sick on her in a minute, like literally. Um, and I took the tramadol, and I got home, and I kind of had to sit down for a bit and kind of just. Not like talk myself down, but be like, you know, it's fine, Diane. Like it's fine. Like you just need to calm down. Mm. But like my legs were shaking because my legs tend to shake a bit, and my hips shake, and the pain. I can't explain the pain to you. Like it's, it's like someone stabbing you everywhere, one hundred million times, and your body and it's your body's also shaking at the same time. Someone's twisting at the same time, mm. and I have pain in my bum, so I can't always sit down because the pressure in my bum is so much. It's like someone's sticking hot, like a hot stick up there all mm-hmm. the time and, and like a hundred miles an hour going like that. So sometimes I can't even sit down. So I'll just be like lying down. I'll be rocking. I'll kneel on the floor and I'll rock like back and forth. Um, or my mum will hold me and she'll rub my back. Um, or I'll vomit. So sometimes the first day I won't eat anything. Because mm. I'm so I feel so sick, mm-hmm. or I'll I'll eat and I'll sit down and in five minutes it all comes up. So I have to like and I can't predict what month will be like sometimes. So so one month can be amazing, and then the next three are absolute nightmares. So I have to plan my holidays around these things. I have to have a calendar to watch of my course you do. Yeah. Um. I I even think of stuff like when I get bloody married. Like I have to watch that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Do that. You know, I have to watch my cycle very closely because it can ruin stuff. I remember mm. being, I remember being fourteen, and we're going to America, and I had my period on the plane, Yikes. and that was, I think, one of the worst experiences of my entire life. Like my grandma had never seen me like that, and she was crying, and my mum was holding me on the plane, and I was like leaning on her, and I was just so unwell, and they kept saying like, "Gosh, should we call like?" do we need to do anything and I was like just the period like nothing you can do like and that was that you know I had to deal with it um so emotionally psychologically and I think psychologically it takes you back to all the all the negative stuff like oh Diane you have this condition maybe you won't be able to have a baby what if you don't have a baby and oh god all this pain and you feel so sick it's like a really dangerous um cycle um but at the same time when it it stops it's, it's like that and I'm like normal again. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. Um, That's it's quite, so nice. It's very scary. Jesus. Yeah, very scary. Um, but like my brother said, like he, he used to say to me, are you going to die, Diane? Are you going to die? I was like, no, I'm just not feeling well for like the next four days of the month. Um, so my question to you is, what advice would you give to, well, to our listeners, female listeners who suffer from similar symptoms? Um, I so I would say, like, diagnosed and stuff. Yeah. So I would say if you're having painful periods where you're passing clots, um, where it stops you from carrying out your daily activities, mm-hmm. if you're vomiting, you're, you're nauseous, you can't go to work, you can't go to school, 
um, then you need to you need to push to be referred to gynecology. And I, I say that, and I know it's hard. People are going to hear me and say, Diane, it's not that easy, and it's not. But you have to push and push and push. I would even say, if you could get money and go private, I think you should. Because yeah, yeah. the NHS doesn't have money. And that's the reality. And I don't want to lie to anyone, but they don't. And I think a lot of the reasons why they don't refer is because of money, which is mm-hmm. a shame because what you we are suffering because of finances. When somebody can get your condition and at least give you a treatment plan and support you and give you a diagnosis and you can learn to live your life better. Um, so I would definitely say, yeah, those are like the main things to look out for. Um, painful sex as well, definitely. It's a big one. If your sex is painful, definitely get that looked into. Um, if your nurse that has endometriosis, message me because we could like high five. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's very possible to be a nurse and have endometriosis. A lot of my colleagues don't know I have this condition. I don't even declare it at occupational health. I don't want anyone <laughs> to. Feel, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. So I don't talk about it. And yeah. um, only people that are very close to me know about the condition because they know how much it affects me emotionally. Yeah. Um, but like I said, you know, you can still be a nurse and have the condition. It shouldn't stop you. It shouldn't be a barrier. Um, don't let anybody make you feel a type of way if you call in sick with the condition because nobody knows how you feel. You know, Absolutely. nobody. No. Yeah, nobody understands your pain. No one gets the fatigue nobody understands they don't get it at all and sometimes you feel symptoms even when you're not on your cycle you know um it doesn't have to be just it's not just cycle related you can have days when you're in pain for no reason and that's your endometriosis doing it you know um and yeah just I would say educate yourself big time look into holistic medicine look into your diet because I can definitely say that's helped me um improve in mm-hmm. my pain management and stuff like that and just don't give up like if you if you feel that you're not fine then you have to push and explore as much as possible but um I hope we don't just have yeah. a wedding month that people get more aware as the years go on and I hope I think my hope is that the timeline for diagnosis becomes shorter in the next 10 years I think that's why I hope really fingers crossed I really mm-hmm. hope so yeah it's I do got- they've got to the impact is so huge they've it's good they've got to yeah big time for sure definitely but again thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us I think it's a not well your story is a story that needs to be shared because I think a lot of people realize a lot of people would have it and not realize what they're Mm. going through and not realize that there's also other people going through it it's not just them and you're not alone as much as I guess sometimes you can feel it but yeah thanks again for sharing your story with us you've definitely given me more food for thought and opened my eyes to it for sure I mean like I said anyone wants to talk about it um you know you know where I am just message me I'm happy 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 to talk about it though it makes me emotional but I'd rather talk about it than keep it inside so yeah just holler at me we can be endo sisters together Which is great. But no, if you want to hit Diana up for more info or just to talk to her about it, you can hit her up on her Instagram page, which is at DD Lutz with a Z at the end. And her Insta, no, her Twitter name is also, I was going to say it's the same. 
I'm probably wrong. Mm-mm. My Twitter is Patty Sugar D. So Patty I'll... as in P A W T I E. Yeah. Not as in a beef patty. Not at all. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you want to reach out to Clarissa, her Instagram at is at Clarissa Ferrara, which will also be linked in the posts and on our bio. And feel free if you want to hit me up. My Instagram name is at wow, wow, wow. At Jellybean with three L's and two A's. It's the same for Twitter as well. And don't forget, you can always hit us up on our Nursing Handover Pod Instagram page and our Twitter page, which is at underscore. Oh no, no, I've said it wrong. At the <laughs> underscore handover. Mm-hmm. And hit us up there. But until next week, guys, we hope you take care. Enjoy the week because we've been having some really lovely weather. Hopefully, it stays that way. And we'll be back next week for another episode. Until then, Peace and love and take care, guys. Goodbye. Bye.